said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws them. We thank you, God, our Father, that you become our Father and that we become your sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. That is enough. Thank you. Thank you that we are part of your family now. Thank you. It's an honor and privilege, Father, that you called us as sons and daughters. Hallelujah. We belong to you. And you belong to us. Thank you for your great love manifested in your son. Thank you. Open your heart. And just thank him for this, that we have been adopted by his blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you transferred us from the kingdom of darkness your son whom you love thank you that we are transferred into the kingdom of light the moment we receive you as savior thank you something the holy spirit wants every person to know here is that you belong in his family you belong to him. No matter what's coming against you mentally and emotionally, you belong to him. Have rest in this place. Have assurance in this place. You belong to him. moment you know that you belong to him you can do great things thank you thank you no longer a slave but a son you belong to him it's this love that sets you free we are getting instructions from the Holy Spirit to protect our hearts. But before this, you must know you belong to Him. You're His beloved sons and daughters. When you know this, every form of unworthiness, condemnation, guilt, lack, and all your needs are settled. Because Jesus is enough. When you know that Jesus is enough, you can rest. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus Christ, we honor you as the head over this place. We welcome you here present. Everything we have today belongs to you, Lord. Everything that you have done in us and through us, for us, belongs to you. We give you all the privilege, the honor, and the glory 
We thank you for your spirit of grace reigning in this place to fulfill us and to complete us so that he can rest on us. Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We give you gratitude. We give you honor. Thank you for everything you have done for us. We are so grateful. We are so honored that we have you as our Father. Thank you. I pray from today, Lord, that you take us to a new dimension in your spirit, so we may taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless you all, and thanks for taking your time out to come. You will get blessed every... Something that I would like to speak um, something that I would like to speak um, before I get started on this topic. Um, thank God. You know that God has given us a spirit of grace. You know the spirit of grace is unmerited favor from God. Amen. Every person has this. In Hebrews it tells us that we can insult the spirit of grace if we continue on sinning. And continue, continue. But on the other hand, the spirit of grace is given to us to empower us. The Bible says that the grace, the grace of God has appeared, and it teaches us to deny all ungodliness. Amen. But can I share something with you that changed my life? This came to me when I was praying in the back. You know how I used the spirit of grace in my life because it empowers you. You know, there was two major um, principles in my life where I relied on the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. And I asked the Lord to give me grace to pray. If there's anything that changed my life today, it's this principle alone. Lord, give me grace every day to seek your face. And I'd like to share this with everyone today. It changed my life. I was, I was asking God to empower me to pray. Because when you're in the dimension of prayer, you're in the arena of the Holy Spirit every day. You're not trying. You're not trying to pray. The Spirit of grace is released upon you. And can I tell you something that I witnessed in my own journey? I had a hunger to pray. It was a hunger, it was food for me, for my soul. I found the greatest joy in it because I asked the Lord to make this a principle in my life. How many people struggle here to pray? The reason is, is because you haven't relied on His Spirit of grace to empower you. Because imagine you trying to pray, I'm telling you, before you start praying, you're talking yourself out of it. The Spirit of Grace is given to you to empower you. And the, the, the most important principle, Jesus began his ministry with prayer and he died in prayer. The only thing Jesus gave us a, a role model, he began with prayer 
He died with prayer. It shows us the most important principle that completes you as a believer. So when I knew, when I knew that the most important aspect of my journey is prayer, that's your connection with God. That's your empowerment from God. I said, Lord, give me grace to pray. I need grace. And you know when he sees that, the Holy Spirit creates such a hunger and thirst in your spirit. Learn from this. Change my life. It changed my life. The way I pray now is a lifestyle. It's not something that I have to do. It's part of me now. How many people lack prayer here? Why the Holy Spirit wants me to share it is because you're lacking. But I'll show you the master key that unlocked grace upon my life. I ask the Lord, give me grace to pray. Give me grace to hunger for your word. These two principles will complete you and kickstart your journey into an amazing path. Amen. How many people struggle to pray here? Everyone's hand should go up. <laughs> Everyone's hand should go up. Learn the spirit of grace. You can insult him while you're living in rebellion or sin, but you can also ask him to empower you to, to ignite that flame. I'll share something with you. If you cannot establish your prayer life, you will not do anything for the Lord. You will not overcome. So when I knew the most important thing to Jesus Christ, the only thing Jesus Christ left us as the major principle in the Bible, he began with prayer, he died with prayer. It shows you the power of his connection he had with the Father. There's, there's different types of prayers, and, and the Holy Spirit is going to begin to allow me to teach it. And I share something that's been walking me every single week. The Holy Spirit is directing me which way I should preach. It's exciting, but it shows you the person to reach of the Holy Spirit that God wants you to have. Paul had the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. He had a great fellowship. And they were that much in tune that they knew the difference between the angel's voice and the Holy Spirit, between the Acts of the Apostles. We are not there, but we are going towards this place. So I'll give you a principle. When I knew I needed the grace to pray, I needed a grace to hunger for his word. There's a difference between reading his word and hungering for his word. I ask, Lord, give me hunger to read your word where every part of my life I want to be in the word and I want it to be my hunger. I don't want it to be a burden. I don't want it to be a challenge. I don't want it to be, oh, like, oh, look, here we go again. God is exciting. He shows you amazing hidden things that are in his word. And today I'm going to show you some. I'm studying about the Kenite spirit and God shows me treasure from the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. And can I say something? You, you, you think, why would the Holy Spirit show you treasures about Jesus Christ so you can see him that he's the only one? <laughs> Believe me. He's the, he's the beginning, he's the end. So the Holy Spirit shows me these treasures to show you how big Jesus Christ is.
and it shows you there's nothing else than to seek him only. When you know this and the Holy Spirit empowers you to see this, you'll, you'll give over your life to him. It's not a fight anymore. It's not a burden. You will lay down your life willingly because of who he is. So two principles I want you to focus on. Give me grace, Lord. Remember, the, the grace of God has appeared. It teaches us. It's an empowerment. And there's nothing greater than in asking the spirit of grace to empower you to pray and to hunger for his word. How many people lack the word? They lack prayer. These two principles took me from uh, a little platform to such a platform where I'm beginning to hear the Holy Spirit in another dimension. But I'll just share with you my life. A lot of people ask me, okay, did you, just, did you get here by accident? A lot of people ask me, did you wake up and it just started like this? No, no. Everything I was prepared and God was walking me through it. So you don't wake up and, and, and all these treasures are coming out of the word. It's commitment. But I'll show you the two principles that changed my life. You know why it changed my life? Because I knew I needed grace to pray. In my own strength every day, especially when you're in trials and challenges and you're going through the furnace and the fire and the discipline and day-to-day -day grind, you need grace. And you know something now? I have joy to pray. I have joy to read his word. You know why? Because God's going to speak to me. So, so we can enter the throne of grace to receive mercy, yes, but there's nothing more empowering to hunger for God's word and to hunger for prayer. You shall be filled. You hunger for righteousness, you shall be filled. But I knew I cannot do it on my own. I knew I need the Holy Spirit to empower me. So this is something that's going to redirect your prayer a bit. You're going to see, it's not by might, not by strength, His Spirit. I ask the Holy Spirit, empower me to pray. Empower me, because I know how weak the flesh is. Amen. See, the Holy Spirit speaks to, you hit a roadblock, you hit a stop sign, you hit a nursery road, grace, grace. That's how grace is given to you. There's no better way than asking for grace to empower you to know him. Okay. How many people were blessed from last week? Yeah? Do I ask questions or challenges or is there no need for it? <laughs> so I normally pick on the people on the back. Okay. So let's, um, you know, from this topic that I preached, I can't tell you how much God blessed me from understanding Satan's kingdom. And what's amazing about every spirit that God allowed me to see, man, you overcome one obstacle, there's another obstacle waiting for you. How crafty the enemy is. If I, can, if I can sum up that message, you overcome one extreme, you enter into another extreme. The enemy in the beginning is waging war against your spirit. 
if I can put it like that, I'll put it like that. Yes, when you receive Christ, you're on a honeymoon with his love. I'm telling you, the enemy sends hell against you in the beginning to sway you, to trap you, to choke you, to harden you. You, you overcome one extreme, you enter into another extreme. So you can begin to see, well, like this has been happening in my life. You can begin to see it. And remember that? the fear of the unknown, the mystery of the unknown. You can see he attacks the emotional realm, bypasses the mind, attacks your emotions. How many Christians today are struggling emotionally? You know, the, the, the most alarming part, it's a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It's not you. Satan is not happy with this teaching. I'll tell you that much. Because his kingdom is exposed, you can identify him and rebuke him out of your life. You can see it now. Remember, it's a behavior. It's not, I rebuke this, it's a behavior that you change. The enemy has no more food to eat, no more meat to eat inside. He has to flee. So this has been an amazing teaching. So let's quickly reflect the spirit of the Amorites. What's that, sorry? Criticism, very good. So the spirit of the Amorite, what does that mean? You have a critical heart. You're always criticizing. That's a spirit that enters you to destroy your heart. Yes, that's a very common one in the Christian world today. A heart that criticizes. And you know what's interesting? The, the highest level of a critical spirit, it, it criticizes because of the truth. <laughs> That's the highest ranking devil is the pharisaical spirit. It criticizes and it hides behind the truth. It can't be detected. Yeah. I don't want to get started here. It shows you from the Old Testament that God cannot live in a place of criticism. If there's something he hates, it's this spirit. Oh, he hates them all. But a heart that criticizes, yeah, can never receive grace, can never show compassion, can never show mercy, all the characteristics and attributes of God it lacks. And I told you, he hides behind the truth. And it's interesting what Jesus said. Before you take the splinter out of your brother's eye, take the log out of your own eye. It shows you, be quiet. Be quiet. Okay. The spirit of the Hittite, anyone? I can't hear you. Fear of the unknown. What's that, sorry? No, that's the parasite spirit. No, that's good. You're listening. I like that. <laughs> so the spirit of the Hittite is sons of terror. They attack more the emotions, not the mind. 
So he bypasses the mind, he texts the feelings. I feel defeated. I feel broken. I feel empty, spirit of the Hittite. The spirit of the parasite, he comes for an opportune time. The, the spirit of the parasite, it was a village in the Old Testament, an unwalled village, meaning when your guard is down, the enemy, like a snake, a serpent, he looks for an opportune time to attack you. Isn't that interesting that the spirit of the parasite, when he came against Jesus, he was fasting in prayer, praying. He was the strongest, most in the spirit, weakest in the flesh. He couldn't penetrate him. The spirit of the parasite couldn't penetrate him. And then the devil left him for an opportune time. That was the moment where Jesus started his ministry. Isn't that interesting that the spirit of the parasite mostly attacks before you're going to start your ministry with God? <laughs> uh, it's interesting how the spirit of the parasite works. Everything's in context. I'm opening your eyes now to see the kingdom of darkness. Everything's in context. The spirit of the parasite came exactly at that time that God wanted us to see. He, he attacks most before you're going to start your ministry with God. So an unwalled village means a heart that's not protected. You've dropped your guard down. How do you drop your guard down today? How do you drop your guard down today? Just lack, lack of prayer? Yes? Amen. Jesus showed you in the beginning the most important principle. He had the word, he had prayer, he had fasting. The three major principles of what allowed him to enter that dimension of the will of God. But I just want to let you see something. Everything, it's in its right time. God wanted you to see it in the right time. So when someone's going to begin to start their role in the ministry or the body, or with the will of God, that parasite spirit attacks most. Yes, you can be free in the Lord, yes. But he attacks most when you're going to step out into the will of God. The spirit of the Kenai spirit will shock you. What God showed me today. I... How the Lord let me see this, glory to his name. But can I say something with you? Everything that he's shown me, he's expecting more. <laughs> Everything he's showing me, he's expecting more from the body. Everything. He will never re reveal a revelation to me unless he's expecting more from every person that's listening today. And especially from me, the one who he's showing it to. Okay. Well, so the word parasite means to separate. An unwalled village means that when you're separated and you're walking carnally and in the fleshly, he bites, he attacks. You see? Yes? Okay. So the word parasite means to separate. Separate you from what? The spirit.
Okay. We, we heard last week about um, <coughs> Shem, Japheth, and Canaan. It's amazing, eh? Glory to God. Really, really, it is glory to God. But if you don't sit with Shem, Japheth naturally will be directed by Canaan. Isn't that amazing, isn't it? Some people are probably like thinking, like, which website does he go into? <laughs> <laughs> when to you see this treasure the Lord showed me believe me I come to study about the spirit of the Canaanite and the Lord shows me the glory of Christ in the Old Testament really does and you may think wow this much when to hear this one you give glory to Christ and you say well everything it, it's yours he is everything and when he shows you by the Holy Spirit that he is everything, you surrender. When it's given to you by the Holy Spirit, he gives you grace to walk that path. Okay. So remember what um, Noah did? He cursed, um, he cursed Canaan. May the flesh be cursed. If it is living for the world, may it be cursed. He didn't curse uh, Japheth. He said, Japheth, you have to submit the soul, man's intellect. You have to submit to the spirit now. You have to spend time with the Holy Spirit. You see? Romans 8 speaks about it, that when you walk by the spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're detached. <clears throat> so what I shared with you in the beginning about the grace, the spirit of grace to pray, to read, that's what detaches you into the spirit detaches you from the flesh, you enter into the realm of the spirit. Because the more you spend in the word of God, the more you spend in the Holy Spirit, the flesh is being choked. It cannot operate anymore. Okay, let's go into some deep treasure. So as you know, um, Canaan had 11 sons. 11 is the number of... Um, 11 is the number that stands for confusion and refers to something that is out of God's order. You know, the body today, it's out of God's order. I can tell you this now. If God is giving me this revelation, he's speaking to the church today, which is the people. We are so much out of order, God wants to bring order. He wants to bring order. He wants to bring order in the house of God. Judgment begins in the house of God. And why he's showing us this, he's given us grace so we can commit and change more and more. The, the Canaanite spirit is the most deceptive spirit because it can hide behind God's blessing. You can think it's a blessing from God. This will shock you. The Canaanite spirit is earthly possessions. You may think it's a blessing from God. This shocks me the most because it's the most hidden spirit that's most attractive to the believer. It goes undetected. Are you listening? This spirit is the most deceptive out of all of them because the world functions like this. It functions. 
So 11 symbolizes confusion and out of order. Remember, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 12, the canine spirit is behind or is um, responsible from you not entering the kingdom of God, meaning you not being used by God. He's responsible for that. That's the Canaanite spirit. He's responsible for, for you not to enter the kingdom of God and to be used by God. He's responsible for that. Why? The main one, the lowland people, they're in the lowest valley of the world, meaning their vision is for the world. Their heart is for the world. Their mind is for the world. And that's why God doesn't allow you. The enemy doesn't allow you to enter that kingdom. We are the lowest part of the world. We are seated where? Heavenly places now. We have to be kingdom-minded. But all your life you've been taught that security is money. Yeah, it's money. No, the Bible tells you, seek the kingdom of God first. And my righteousness, everything else will be added to you, be given to you. The Bible talks about contentment. Contentment cripples the spirit of the Canaanite. Because you're content, you're not praying for a need or a want anymore, you're praying for the will. So 11 principles from 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 12. The, the number eight is covetousness, coveting what the world can offer you. Thank God, thank God for this teaching. So low earthly passions is the Canaanite spirit. He brings your vision so low to the world that you focus and work the field of this world. What does Proverbs say? Without a vision, my people perish. Satan grabs your vision and he allows you to plow in this world. You never become kingdom-minded. You never be a person who's led by the Spirit. Okay, now let's go. Do you think uh, do you think God wanted us to see what money can do in the Bible? Money betrays Jesus. It's 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 no coincidence that Judas betrayed Jesus for money. It shows you that money can betray your heart. It's 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 true. You cannot serve God and Mammon. Money betrays who you are. To serve that. And it's the most common one that hides itself, conceals itself. You think it's God's blessing. <laughs> so when you first come to Christ, I teach, you, I teach you something. When you first come to Christ, the worst thing you can do, Lord bless me, Lord, look after my work so I can focus more on you. Lord, give me money so I can do more for you. Lord, uh, I want to focus on doing your will forever. 
bless me, let me get so much money so I can walk with you and help you. No. Get on your knees and you say, Lord, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a heart of contentment. The first blessing you pray is for your heart to be like Christ. The last thing you pray for is for blessings to come into your life. Because you don't know how powerful the flesh is when, when, when you first come to Christ. There's such an undoing that God has to do in your heart before you pray for any need and want in your life. The worst thing believers do is they pray, Lord, bless me. They become too busy in work, they forget about God. Lord, bless me. They use their riches, uh, book of James, they use their riches to, to, to use it on themselves to live for their own desires. This is a treasure. The first blessing you pray for is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for God to do the work in your heart. Because if he doesn't put the kingdom in you, you will use that money for your own kingdom. Are you listening? So when people come to me, I say, let's fast, let's pray. I teach you how to destroy the first kingdom. No, I, that's my security. Why am I feeling anxiety? Why am I having fear all of a sudden? It's your fault. You made me fast. <laughs> you know how many times I've been blamed? God has to destroy the first kingdom. When you fast and pray, he destroys the first kingdom, the kingdom that you've been fed all your life before Christ. He has to destroy it. It's not a good feeling, but it's the truth. Because all your security, all your comfort is in that place. Where believers, how many times I've seen it, where believers, Lord, bless me. Bless me. Give me. No. Lord, work on my heart. Bring things out that need to be um, directed by you, cleansed by you, refined by you. The last thing you do is pray for a physical blessing. Sorry, the, yeah, the last thing you do is pray for a physical blessing the first thing you do is ask the Holy Spirit to begin to discipline you. Because when the blessings come, you'll forget about him. Especially in the beginning. Okay. Let's have a look at this treasure. There, there, there is so many hidden treasures in this, in this uh, chapter. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. You ready to see um, uh, revelation knowledge from the Holy Spirit? Let's have a look. I want, you to, I want you to get this. Remember how I told you it's like a typology of Christ? Remember? There's many, there's many Old Testament prophets where it's a, type, it's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Yes? You remember this, yes? I'll show it to you here. And I'll tell you what the Holy Spirit told me when I was studying 
yesterday, and I shared it with my wife. I said, Rita, look what the Lord just showed me. And she goes, that's unbelievable. And it really is. Because for any Muslim or any Jew or any person who's trying to find out who Jesus Christ is, also for the believer, it's hidden there for anyone to know. And I spoke to some Muslims last week as well. So let's have a look. Now pay attention to what he's saying here. Now this is about the spirit of the Canaanite. This same topic. Let's read it. Now the Lord God has said to Abraham, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house. Can you see the relevance from what Jesus did? He left the throne, his father's throne, and he came on earth. Can you see it now? Yes or no? Okay. <clears throat> and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And he's, he's preaching about, he's talking about the land of Canaan. Jesus came to a land um, that wasn't common to him, meaning he wasn't accepted from the, from the traits and principles that they lived for. I'll make you a great nation. Now he's talking about Jesus. I'll bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus. We know this. Keep going. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken, heaven, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now the Holy Spirit stopped me. And he said to me, there's a mystery here. And he said to me, <laughs> he said to me, the mystery is in Matthew. But that's what he said to me. Are you ready? Okay. This is the first treasure he showed me. Then I'll show you another scripture that he showed me. He said, Abraham, Abraham's age was there for a reason. You see all these numbers and you think, why is it talking about all these numbers? They're inscripted messages about Jesus Christ. Ready? And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In Matthew chapter 26, there are 75 verses about Jesus Christ and what he will do on this earth and how he was betrayed, how he was killed, and everything he went through for us. Isn't that amazing? Can we just, can we just go to Matthew? I just want to show it to you. Because you think, really? Like, can it be that? There's 75 verses about Jesus Christ, all of them. Now, from Matthew 26, I don't, read, I don't want to read them all, but from Matthew 26 to verse 1 to 75, it's all about Jesus and his betrayal and, he, and the Lord's Supper and everything that he will do for mankind. Isn't that amazing? Can you see? Is anyone excited or not? Or just me? <laughs> Can you see the inscripted message of why God allowed the number 75 Abraham's age to be there, he's showing you it's Jesus Christ. 
So you read from, it's the only, only gospel and only book in the whole Bible where there has 75 scriptures. Mistake? It's not a mistake. He's showing you it's me. I am the one that will come into the world and my name will be great. Jesus is the answer to everything. Amen? So that's the first treasure. The second treasure is in Psalms 75. Psalm 75 is the only psalm where it tells you that the whole nation will drink of his blood. Amazing. Go to 75 uh, in Amplified, Psalm 75, verse 1 to 10. Look what it says here. I just want to just open your eyes to show you that the book, everything is a mystery. And when you commit, God lets you see. God hides it. It's for kings to search it out, right? Who are kings and priests and saints unto God? Every believer. Look, we give thanks and praise to you, O God. We give thanks for your wonderful works. Declare that your name is near. Now he's talking about his name is near. People declare your wonders. When I select an appointed time, I will judge with equity, says the Lord, appointed time when he dies at the cross. The earth and all the inhabitants of it melts in tumultuous times. It is I who will steady its pillars. He's saying the cross will become a pillar. Can you see? I said to the arrogant, do not boast, and to the wicked, do not lift up the horn of self-glorification. Do not lift up your defined and aggressive horn on high. Do not speak with a stiff neck. For not from the east, nor from the west, nor from the desert comes exaltation, but God is the judge. He puts down one and lifts up another. For a cup of his wrath is in the hand of the Lord. Father. Take this cup away from me. Not my will be done, but yours. For a cup of his wrath is in the hand of the Lord, and the wine foams. It is well mixed with fully spices, and he pours it out from, and all the wicked of the earth must drain it and drink down to its dregs. Isn't that amazing? So Abraham was 75 years old. He's showing you is Jesus. A hidden message, Matthew 26, 1 to 75, all that Jesus has done. So I just wanted to share that with you. It's like a puzzle. Everything comes together. But you see Jesus Christ, he's the only one. Amen. Okay. Okay, we go back to Genesis 12. We are 75 years old. So don't go around now and checking all the numbers and trying to find these things. No, no, like when if God speaks to you and He shows you, it will be clear. I have people they say, like, how do you study? They get the Esau and they start to study the word and and the and this and that. Just So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Huran. Okay? Now he's showing you that it's Jesus Christ. Yeah? And that his name shall be great 
and it shall be a pillar. Then Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shechem. Okay, another treasure. Shechem in the New Testament is Sychar. Sychar is where Jesus appeared at Jacob's well to the Samaritan lady. It was the first time that Jesus was worshipped as God. So Shechem, Shechem in the New Testament was Sychar, Jacob's well. It's the first place where Jesus was worshipped openly as God. It's showing you in here that he will show himself at that place, New Testament, and he'll be worshipped as a God. Can you see? I think he's asleep today. <laughs> as far as the terebinth tree of Murrah, Murrah means bitter. It means the tree of bitterness. So they couldn't drink the water, Jacob's will. They couldn't drink the water until the tree fell in the water. Christ, beca Christ became that living water that we can drink from. So Murrah means they came to a, a, a river. I don't know if it was a river or a lake. And it was bitter. They couldn't drink the water. Then they cut down the tree and then they fell in the water. Jesus Christ fell in the water. And they began to drink living water. He what I give you? Living water. You'll never thirst again. <laughs> and the Canaanites were in that were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I'll give you this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. The altar, it's the cross. And he moved there to the mountain east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel. Bethel means a house of God. A house of God is Jesus now. He pitched the vessel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Remember? The cross, Father. You see. So Abraham journeyed going on still towards the south. Yeah, we'll stop there. Okay. So that's a little uh, treasure I wanted to share with you. Just to show you how big Jesus Christ is in the Bible. He is big. Okay. Now, let's establish one thing about dealing with the Canaanite spirit. Our first defense is against the spirit of the Canaanite is what? The altar that God built, Jesus Christ himself. He is the altar. He defeated the spirit of Canaanite. He's already defeated. And he did this for us. We go to the next scripture. We go to Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 to 15 in the Amplified Version. Our first defense against the spirit of the Canaanite is Jesus Christ himself. 
I think God wants to establish this. You fight from the cross, he's defeated. Devil's defeated, he can do nothing. And it's instantly, the moment you proclaim it, the process begins. Okay. Now, ready? Let's read it. For in him, all the fullness of deity, the Godhead dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. And in him, you have been made complete. You are complete. God, God was directing me that the Kenai spirit is defeated already. In Christ, he's defeated. And believe me, you must know who you are in Christ because then you will, you will walk already redeemed. You're not seeking to get redeemed. You're redeemed. You've put on that new nature of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a process. You're in a battle, but our foundation is the cross. And I'll show you here. And in him you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. In him you were also circumcised, not with a circumcision, not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the body of the flesh, the sinful carnal nature. Jesus did that. He stripped off your flesh, and it's going to show you where it stripped off. For all the people struggling with baptism, I think today you're going to run to the pool. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the body of the flesh, the sinful kind of nature, having been buried with him in baptism. And raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working of God. What heavenly places you live for Christ now. So for all the people struggling to get baptized, take my advice, get baptized. In the most gentle way, run to the water. <laughs> Okay, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working of God as displayed when he raised Christ from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, worldliness, manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ. Having freely forgiven us all our sins. Whenever you're caught in a place of sin, flesh, read this. And read it every day and tell yourself that Christ forgave you from all your sins. Everything, he wiped it out. Because if the enemy can remind you always of your past, if he can remind you always of your wrongdoing, your bad decisions, you have the right to remind yourself every day of what Christ done for you. You entertain, you entertain the wrong spirit and you fall into that trap. It shows you how important it is to speak consistently the word of God. 
Remember, man shall not live on bread alone, on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We've made it a habit to listen to the wrong spirit, the wrong voice, and we fall into that trap mentally injured, spiritually injured, emotionally injured. And we begin to, oh, Jesus, you need to help me. I don't know what's wrong with me. No, he's given you tools to fight. The double-edged sword. The sword of the spirit, which is word of God. So you are in a battle. When you're in a battle, do you have plate? Do you have time to have a rest and take a break? No. When you're in warfare, you fight. And in the beginning, you're in a fight. And let's speak truth here. When you're dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, worldliness and manner of life cannot spirit bring attention to you. God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins. What does the Canaanite spirit thrive on? He thrives on luring you to the world. How can you, lure, how can you be lured to the world when you're hard on yourself? I've failed. I've tried to walk with God. It's so hard. Nothing's working out for me. I'll just go back to the Canaanite spirit, my old life, my old ways. Can you see? Can you see it? How people continuously go back to the Canaanite spirit. Why? Because they're operating in condemnation, guilt, unworthiness, unforgiveness. Can you see how the enemy gets you? So many people leave the path of God because they've Harden their heart. And the book of Hebrews tells you, don't harden your heart in the day of the wilderness or in the rebellion. So it shows you there are some amazing principles here of how, what the Canaanite spirit does. The Canaanite spirit does not want you to know that you're forgiven. Because when you're forgiven, when you're not forgiven, you're bitter. You're hard. You can't receive God's love. You can't receive his mercy. You can't receive his compassion. And guess what happens? You carry that burden of being hard on yourself. You carry that burden of being bitter. You carry your burden of being disconnected from God. And the Canaanite spirit, what does he do? I'll just go back to my old life, earthly life. That's the first principle. The enemy doesn't want you to know that Christ freely forgave you from all your sins. Remember, he's talking about a Canaanite spirit. This is the Canaanite spirit. The Canaanite spirit, why people go back to their old life, to their old reasoning, to their old thought process, is because why? They struggle to be forgiven from God. Their struggle is, I haven't received, the first principle is the blood of forgiveness. They haven't received it. Having cancelled out the certificate of debt consisting of our legal demands which were in force against us and were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. You're free. You're fully free. That's the first principle that needs to be established. 
You cannot take one step further in Christ unless you know you are free. You are so free. And the Bible says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh again. You are so free. God sees you free. He sees the blood of Christ over you, in you, through you, for you. You're free. But it's so important that you understand the first principle of freedom. The first principle of freedom is where love is given to you. The one who loves much, the one who is forgiven much, loves much. So it shows you why I cannot love God, why I cannot be devoted and love God so much is because I'm because I don't know how much I am forgiven. Are we listening? I don't know how much I'm forgiven. If you don't know how much you're forgiven, you don't know how much he loves you. That's the first principle of you understanding. The most important principle that will allow you to fight. Believe me, you can't fight without love. If you don't know someone loves you, you cannot fight. <laughs> you will not lay down your life. You can only lay down your life when you know that you're loved. Yes? So the first, the first principle of defeating the canine spirit is that you are fully forgiven. And when you receive the ministry of forgiveness, you can love him, you can love him all the most to be obedient to him. But the first key where I see so many people struggle is that they haven't understood what Jesus done at the cross. You are so free. What does the enemy do? He traps you in this area. It's so common. 90% of the believers are in this area. You are hard on yourself. You are trying too hard. And everything's a grind and frustrated. It's, you know it's why? It's because you don't know you're forgiven. I'm trying to get to God. No, you're released. You see how Holy Spirit takes a different direction to show you the principle of you loving him more is when you know how much you're forgiven. And this scripture paints a great picture of what Jesus has done for you. You're free. Rejoice. Be so happy Jesus freed you. Now you have responsibility. Now you have to discipline yourself to day-to-day -to -day, uh, walk by the Spirit to responsibility now, but you're free. Your responsibility begins where? In the place of freedom. When you're free, then you can operate freely with the Holy Spirit and be led by Him. Okay. So He removed it by nailing it by the cross. When He had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us. Can you see? Jesus defeated every spirit at the cross. But he's showing you the traits now, the characteristics, their behavior from them coming into your heart. The whole point of this teaching is to, is to discern his behavior. Discern his characteristics. Discern his mindset when it comes to you. Because the enemy will come to you. Temptation is not a sin, but he will continuously try to tempt you. And imagine if, if you don't know it's him. He will come in and out and find pasture in you and do whatever he likes. 
So he disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil um, operating against us. He had made a public example of them, exhibited them, and captive in his triumphal possession, procession, having triumphed over them through the cross. So Jesus, the first principle of defeating the Canaanite spirit is what? Ministry of forgiveness. I'm forgiven. I'm, I'm loved. The one who's forgiven much, loves much. That's the doorway of freedom. Why so many people here are hard on themselves and they struggle to, to connect with the Holy Spirit is because the first step, their ministry of forgiveness. And what, and what does Paul talk about? He says that you may know the fullness of God through his love. It's this love that allows you to be fed by him, like a well-watered garden. Okay. Let's go to the next one. Okay. Now this is an interesting one. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 to 11. This is where Satan came against Jesus. Now the Holy Spirit started to ramp, ramp this thing up. I don't know how far I'm going to go, but I'll, I'll see how far you can handle. Now this hasn't been give, given enough value to actually understand what it means. Holy Spirit, put me into this place to unravel what it actually means. Let's have a look. <clears throat> okay. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Okay, we stop here. Okay, let's look at some words here. <clears throat> now this is interesting, because this is how the spirit of the Kenite works. Let's have a look. The, strong, the Strong's word for exceeding is from whoever is following me. It's on the Esod. Okay? The Strong's word for exceeding is um, the Strong's 3029. That's the word for exceeding. It has a spiritual meaning here. 3029 and the word is li, li, lan, lian, lian or something like that. Yeah, lian. The word means, so when the devil came to him, he took him up on an exceeding high mountain. The first word has a spiritual significance. I want you to hear this. The strongest word for exceeding is of uncertain affinity, meaning it can never, how can I say it? It's never fulfilled. It's just forever and ever and ever. Okay? Meaning that once you, once you tap into this realm, once you tap into this realm of the enemy, it doesn't stop at a place. Remember, the love of money is the root of all evil. 
whoever has wandered after has been pierced with many griefs and many sorrows. So it's never ending. It's something of affinity. It's, it's, it's something that's so great. So when you have that, you never get enough. Okay, but I'll keep going. It gets a bit more dangerous now. You can say, oh, well, that's not me. But these ones... <laughs> I'm not reading anyone's mind here. I'm just... <laughs> Ready? This got my attention. The next word is chiefest. Chiefest. Like a chief, but chiefest with the E-S-T. That, that word defines as a principle. Well, we're getting a bit more uh, director now. It's a principle, okay? I have this kingdom principle to live in this world and to seek earthly possessions. No more preaching. <laughs> it's a principle. You have made a principle in your mind that this is how you're going to operate. When Satan came to him, he didn't come to lure him. He came to build a kingdom or a principle in his mind. Isn't that? So it says here, that word defines as a principle. The next one is first and foremost. First and foremost, I'm going to establish myself in the world. What does Jesus say? Seek the kingdom. What does Canine Spirit say? Seek the world. And then the kingdom. Next one. It's so alarming. I just want, we read it and we think, wow, Satan was trying to do him in the world. No, he was trying to build a kingdom, a principle, a teaching that so many people walk in today and they don't even know it's to him. The next one is the most valuable aspect in life. When Satan came to him, he was trying to build a principle that this is the most important aspect in your life. How do you know if you're not operating like this? It's, it's, when you, it's when you are lacking spending time with God. That's how you know that that spirit is at work. Because what does the Bible say? You cannot serve God and mammon. You'll either be devoted to the other and neglect the other. Can you see? Someone may say, you know, someone said, that's not me. I'm not doing this. Let's quickly pay off our home loan so we can rest. I'm just showing you how they're hidden. The, and you may think, nah, that's too extreme. Believe me. You get so worked, so worked, and before you know it, you're empty. You finished your payment, but you're empty, empty as a stone. <laughs> I'm just giving my level talk of how the Middle Eastern people talk. Quickly pay off your loan. Quickly pay off your loan. Just quickly pay it off. Do everything you can. Give all your time, pay off the loan, then you rest after you're empty as a stone. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay? Now listen, the most valuable aspect in life, when Satan came to Jesus, he was saying, let the earthly possessions, the Canaanite spirit, the vision of the world, be the most important aspect in your life. Build the principle and walk like this. When Jesus came, he broke that principle. He broke that kingdom. But you see here how this spirit is the most attractive to us. You'll see it here when I show you this treasure, this treasure that's going to blow you away of what Moses, how he exposed that spirit. You see how it's the most dangerous spirit? You know why? Because we all need the blessing. We all want to be comfortable. You see how it's the most dangerous one? Because you think, is this God? You know how I know many of the blessings are not from God? is because you're not established in him. That's how I know it's not from God. And this will make you uncomfortable. I know it will make you uncomfortable. Many of your blessings are coming from the Canaanite spirit. What does the psalmist say? Give me neither riches nor poverty. He, he nailed it. Don't make me poor so I curse you. Don't make me rich so I forget about you. <laughs> yeah. How much God wants to change our hearts. He really does. How much he wants to change us. If we are just willing. If we are just willing to hear. How much the Holy Spirit wants to change our hearts. If we are just willing. Ready? I'm not finished this one. The most valuable aspect in your life. This is what Satan came with Jesus. The next one, highest rank or office. The highest rank and office in your mind. The next principle. The greatest importance or influence. What is your influence? What is your influence? Ask yourself, don't answer me. Ask yourself at home, why am I coming to God? And what is my greatest influence that I want from God? Ask yourself, even outside of God, ask yourself now, what are my goals? What did Paul say? My goal is to fight the good fight of faith and to finish what he's given me. That's a goal of the kingdom the goal and the mindset of the kingdom. But ask yourself this honest question, each one of you here today, what is my goal? What is my influence? What is the most important aspect in my life? If it is God, you will go straight to the secret place. You will go straight to his word every day. That will be your influence. How I know that many people's influences is the world is because they lack to go to the secret place to be molded. To be molded. And to be remolded for how you were truly created. But imagine every single day before Christ, 
your parents, your grandparents. Work hard, you'll be successful. That's a, that's a common trait in our traditional people. Work hard and you'll be successful. You will never lack any bread. What does the Bible say? I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. Contentment is the greatest... Uh, contentment is the greatest opponent against the Kenite spirit. It's the greatest opponent. Uh, opponent. He cannot come next to you because you have contentment. Are you content? You don't have to answer me. Are you content? Because if you are content, you'll be praying, Lord, let your will be done in me. Now have a look at your prayer life. If the enemy can rewrite your prayer life, you're in trouble. Because what's going to God is the Canaanite spirit. Give me, Lord, so I can be comfortable. Give me because I have fear. Give me because I have insecurity. Give me because I lack trust. Give me because I'm controlling. All you're doing is taking the Canaanite spirit to God. You're taking the Canaanite spirit to God. What does the Bible say? When you go to the house of God, go rather to listen than to offer the sacrifice of fools. You understand what that means now? Now you understand what that means. The sacrifice of fools is bringing another spirit to God. <laughs> Oh, well. I'm going to stop here. Thank God for this teaching. Amen. Thank God for this teaching. It's, it get more and more powerful. I saved that last part. It's probably the most dangerous one out of the whole teaching. But it's to protect our hearts. It's to, it's, it's, to, it's to know that you've been bought at a price. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices unto God, that is your right and true and proper worship. I encourage you today to have an openness for the Holy Spirit to begin to work on your heart. He will begin to direct every place of your heart. From this teaching, you can see, I'm taking the Canaanite spirit to God. Just think about that. Just think about that. I'm taking a Canaanite spirit to God. Lord, give me. Lord, bless me. Lord, transform me. Transform my heart, Lord. Create in me a pure and clean heart. See your prayer life, how it has to change. Yes. You don't know what you can handle. I went through this myself. 
You don't know how powerful the flesh is when the Kenai spirit comes upon you. That's why you pray to be transformed. You pray to be cleansed. You pray to be disciplined. He has to discipline you. And it's the greatest thing you'll ever have. You know why? You live in freedom. You're free from all troubles. Because the canine spirit can be in your life and you're miserable. You have everything but your, you know. The Bible says, what does a prophet a man to gain the whole world? Yeah, he forfeits his soul. So thank the Lord Jesus Christ for this teaching. But deep is calling to deep. A great change is going to take place in every believer's heart. Why? Because the Holy Spirit loves you so much. You are God's perfect image. And the world has painted a different picture of who God is and what your life is. But God is ransoming it back. Amen? Praise God. Let's stand up. I won't be praying on anyone today. I just want this teaching to settle you and begin to work in your life. Open your hearts to the Lord and begin, begin in your own heart to ask Him for grace, to give you grace to empower you to pray and to hunger for His Word. I felt this very powerfully before we were worshipping, that an outpouring of grace to ignite you to pray and to hunger for His Word is going to be released in your heart. I feel this very powerfully. The Holy Spirit wants to establish this place in your life. Begin to open your hands to the Lord and begin to speak truthfully of what you want Him to do. We thank you, Father. We worship you, Father. Thank you for this teaching, Lord. Thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit to equip us and to transform us into the perfect image of you, Jesus Christ. We love you so much. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for your spirit of grace to enter this place. I pray for the spirit of grace to empower us to pray, empower us to feed on your word and hunger for your word, and your spirit of grace to power us to fast. I pray, Lord, this hunger that comes by your Holy Spirit, that will allow us to reach new dimensions and also allow us to build stability in our life. Thank you, Jesus. I can see that many foundations here of believers, they have cracked foundations. And this prayer is going to begin to build stability in your life. God wants to build stability. He builds stability in your life. This is where I sense the Holy Spirit is taking you now. Not to supply all your needs or to fulfill your needs or your wants, but to build stability. Thank you, Jesus. I pray for this grace, Lord. You said when two or more agree on something on earth, it shall be done in heaven. 
We pray for stability, Lord, that our worship towards you can be true. Our hunger towards you alone can be true. And I pray for stability. I pray for this grace to be unlocked upon every heart, every mind, every soul. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for this teaching. We give you all the glory. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. Holy Spirit, touch the people today. Refresh their souls. Allow them to reach new dimensions that they may taste and see the Lord is good. Amen.